0: But it's the idea. It's a different one than what you spoiled, so. Oh! So it's not
1: about Robocop Dog.
2: Oh, I have a bear one.
0: I think I think it is new. And I don't know how we've managed to convince Rebecca that like bear stories are super important. Because she has one every week now. <laughs> it's
3: the Barely Saved podcast.
2: It is. Yes, but nice leggings, Mike!
0: I don't I don't understand why. Why would you want that? Thank you.
2: What? Leggings?
1: They're so comfy.
2: Because they are massively comfortable. And I am not flexible enough to do that anymore. I should not have done that. That hurt.
3: Why would you want to be comfortable? I think that's what Caleb's really asking.
0: Gosh, because you hate yourself. I understand comfort, but like, that's what pajama pants are for. It's a different type of comfort. One
2: makes you feel frumpy and gross, and the other makes you feel, like, sleek and
1: effortless. Oh, man. When I wear my leggings with my little shorts underneath and my AF1s and <sighs> my man bun, I'm, I'm freaking on it.
2: Boom, baby.
3: I asked Amanda if I could wear them, and she said that only if I was wearing something else with them,
1: so. Well, yeah, I... I have to wear something to cover up things
3: welcome to the Bearly saved podcast where we have the discussions real christians don't have here's your hosts i'm rebecca i'm caleb
1: i'm your token zoomer i love lamp i i love lamp Brick, do you really love the lamp or are you just saying that because you're seeing it? I, I love, I love lamp. I, I love lamp.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's not even the dumbest thing we've done all day.
0: So Rebecca is stranded for two days by herself with her children because her husband left her temporarily. How are, you, how are you coping with him being gone for the weekend? And by the time he hears this, he's back. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, it went pretty well last night. We uh, slept for eight hours last night. So um, I got it. Oh, shoot. I said her name. The baby slept for eight hours last night. So that was very helpful. Um and the the worst part is like getting the baby having to get her up and putting her into the car seat just to take the 6-year-old to school. Um and it's like it's so mean to wake up the baby and then just throw her in the car seat. Um so we're doing okay. We're going to go to my mom's house for dinner tonight so I don't have to cook. Um and have a movie night and then hopefully he'll be home by evening tomorrow. And, you know, I probably won't have a chance to shower until he comes back. So that'll be, that'll be a good thing when he finally comes home. So, yeah. I almost went with him. But uh, then we realized that being stuck in a hotel room with two kids is worse than just being home and having one kid go to school. And being able to have my own, like, house and stuff and people around me. So... That's what we decided. Oh, she's waking up and very grumpy.
3: Why did you wake the baby up? Don't wake the baby.
2: No, she was she well, she well, was crying in the swing, so I picked her up and now she's, so she wasn't fully awake yet. She's like working on waking up and is mad about waking up.
0: Baby Generva just wanted a spot on the podcast is all.
3: That's real talk. She did. Ooh, Generva could be her podcast name.
2: Generva can be her. It's true. What should the other one's podcast name be?
0: Steve.
3: We'll figure it out later. They can't, we can't make it up. It's gotta be, it's gotta be, uh, natural. It's like beer dad.
0: Or Rachel. All right. Anything else happening exciting with anybody else? My life has been boring. Same things that are always happening. Reading, writing, wrote an annual report for a church business meeting on Sunday. You know, nothing of note.
3: Is there anything worse than writing the annual report? Because here's the thing. Listen, listen up, people of the podcast who aren't ministers. Nothing changed. The exact same thing I wrote last year probably applies this year.
2: <laughs> I disagree in light of a pandemic. Okay.
3: Now, I'm just going to rewrite the same thing.
0: Matt, I hear you, except that... You're wrong. I didn't have an annual report to copy off of from last year.
3: See, that's even worse.
0: Because they've not had somebody as a children's pastor here so there was no report to copy off of and i started in may and there's a global pandemic and we did events that have never been done before
3: i hope that i never pandemic pandemic
2: i wrote my reports back before i had the baby so that was good why do we do it to update all the church people who don't pay attention throughout the year if they're not paying attention on the week why do they need to know at the meeting
0: I'm just going to throw it out there. I have never cared. Okay. So usually that's your place where you give your statistics about things to the to the members. Ha- what your average attendance is, what your, at least in kids ministry, usually you have your average attendance, how many unique kids you had over the course of the year. But why? To brag and or be depressed about the size. So listen,
3: listen, 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 here we go going to get real close
0: here. Wait, hold on. No, wait. Wait, wait. Wait, Matt, before you go there to justify my salary?
3: Okay. Your salary of? Oh. So here. Listen. Listen, pastors of the world. Listen. Listen carefully. Here's here's what I'm proposing for you all. Let's stop doing this. Like, honestly, if it just wasn't written down, would anyone notice? I'm going to say they wouldn't. And if they did, just tell them what happened. So, I I'm here pleading with you pastors who are listening to stop the annual report thank you that is all
0: do you guys have anything to report anything that's happened matt or mike i
3: cleaned my office
0: i made
1: some bomb roast in my dutch oven
3: mike i'm going to say that you over you overuse the word bomb
1: uh probably all right I'm just gonna hate on your generation though. You overused the word epic and have ruined it for my generation though, so.
3: Well, you know, wasn't a great word to begin with.
0: (laughs) So, our our news story today. Hershey's new strawberry ice cream cone kisses are the only summer candy we need.
1: Flip yes!
0: Give it to me. I want them all. You, you you, didn't see this because this is a sound thing, but like Mike just did this whole like little dance thing that like, this is a sound <laughs> podcast, so you didn't see it, but the rest of us did. And that's all I have to say about that.
1: <laughs> I just realized though, it's, it's a strawberry cone based thing, so I probably won't be able to eat it. Okay, it's a limited summertime item that
3: is already on shelves.
0: Yes. I've not seen it on shelves yet.
2: That sounds terrible. I really don't like when they bastardize, like, flavors of things. Like, when they come out with Oreos that have weird perversions put in them, I I protest. Hold
0: on, what? Like, let's, no, that's, are you anti-capitalist? Like, they're supposed to give us more options so that we spend more dollars. I'm an
2: Oreo purist. Wow. What? Except for the white chocolate covered Oreos that I just discovered before I had my baby.
3: Oh, so you're an Oreo purist unless it's something that you like, in which case, that's okay because I'm catered to la di da
2: but I've never bought them. Somebody else
0: bought them. You don't like my my thin Oreos with the mint filling? Like those are so good.
3: That's so, the thin Oreos with the mint filling are so good. The red velvet with cream cheese. Yes. Oh, those look. I don't even like. I don't even like the, that combination that much. But when Oreos did it, yes.
2: I've never actually tried that. I have to say, um, so good. But I just. I am such. I don't even like double stuffed Oreos. What?
0: Well, I mean, double stuffed versus regular stuffed. Always choose regular stuffed.
3: I was told in my house we only buy double stuffed, which I was didn't know.
0: Why would you sleep on the double stuffed?
3: Mike, your video is lagging so much that I don't know what you're wanting. It's not that they're, we're not sleeping on them. I've had them, but that doesn't mean they're good. They're just Oreos. The, the ratio of an Oreo is what makes it so good. They're fabulous.
2: So originally when Oreos were originally created, they were, they were all like the original Oreo was the amount of filling that was double stuffed. No, it's the stuffing. And then they realized that they would not be able to double the double, so they they lessened the amount in the original Oreo and made the double stuffed Oreo.
0: Okay, but they lessened it to the perfect amount. That's the capitalism I want to see.
2: Oh, oh, I know. I'm just saying that is capitalism 101. No,
0: because the double stuffed is too much. No,
3: Mike is so far behind.
0: <laughs> this is going to be really fun. Back to the uh, Hershey's Kisses. Yes, strawberry ice cream cone kisses. Like, it's not a thing that I think that I will like. Like, I'm pretty sure that I will think that it's mediocre. Like most strawberry ice cream is mediocre. But I will buy it when I see it in the store. Okay, but like
3: four kisses. How how do we feel about like? Hugs.
0: Um, hugs are not really safe during COVID, so that's how I feel about hugs.
3: See, I really enjoy hugs, and I don't like Hershey's with almonds. I would so much rather be kissed.
0: I mean, kiss is also not COVID friendly. So, but I wasn't asked how I think about kisses.
3: Screw you guys! I'm going home.
0: All right. See ya. I was wondering. I was just about
2: to say, like, sorry for the dog in the background. <laughs> 'Cause it's just a it's it, the thing Cheering is the she is
3: very consistent in her
0: <laughs> It's it's fine. So I've obviously not tried it yet, but I'll try it. I will try it and in the day that I get a hold of a package of them and my Lenten fast is over, then I will do it.
2: I just don't want to spend the money on buying them.
3: I think what we need to do is have a a taste test podcast where we just buy all the Hershey's Kisses products. So Kisses, Hugs, Almonds, Strawberry Ice Cream, uh, Cookies and Cream, anything that I can't think of.
2: Gotta get the mint ones.
3: The mint ones, yeah.
2: Apparently we have to do it with Oreos
1: too. Oh, oh, oh,
3: oh. That's a separate podcast. So we're going to do the Hershey's Candy that is Kisses and then go from there.
1: I can't do Oreos. Why? Gluten free.
2: Oh, I guess that'll be just have to be Lindsay on that week.
0: But we sh- we should we should do we should do the Hershey's Kisses. <sighs> you all love Lindsay taste more than me. taste testing. Yes. After Easter.
3: Mike, Mike, my, my yes was to your comment, just to let you know.
0: Yeah, I, I, I figured.
1: Well the delay is so much, I don't know if you know or not. I'm so behind. The delay is garbage. For
2: the record, Lily has now gotten a hold of her crinkle toy. So, that might be worse. Ah,
0: it's fine. We only listen to you when you're actively talking in the podcast, so it works well. Uh, During our recording of this podcast, Rebecca made the claim that originally, Oreos had as much stuffing as the double stuffed cookie. And we didn't know whether or not it was true or not at the time that she made the statement. And we still don't, after doing a thorough search on the internet. I cannot find any articles to make a claim one way or the other and so I'm making this note. It may be true. It may not be true. But in our effort to be truthful in our did you know section, uh, we cannot verify this claim. We can however verify that all original flavored Oreos are delicious. So, Matt. Yes. I think you have some things that you need to confess.
3: (laughs) Well played. So, uh, yeah, my confession this week is that I preached on confession this week and um, might have made people angry. We don't know yet. Do you guys think I'm going to make people angry?
0: Definitely made people angry because you said that people should listen to it in the morning. And if they don't listen to it until night, that there is...
3: No, no. I said if they were listening to it at night, they need to redo their priorities. I said morning, afternoon, and evening. You can watch it in the evening, but if it's two in the morning and you're watching me preach, you have done something. You have made choices.
0: No, you said if you're watching it at night. You You did. You said night. priorities, And I was like, but you just sent me the link, and it's eight o'clock at night.
3: (laughs) That's evening. Eight o'clock is evening. Yes. Night doesn't start... Night doesn't start till nine o'clock.
1: That
0: no, that's night. So you definitely uh,
2: that was not clear in the podcast or in the sermon.
0: Yeah. So, but besides the fact that I'm not part of your congregation, who was getting the video at uh, you know ten o'clock in the morning when it will go live, and I was getting it at eight o'clock at night, I I think that you will still succeed in making people mad. <laughs>
3: Um I'm assuming we can put something in the show notes t- so that people know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean it was it was a it was an interesting thought. I didn't know exactly what exact what I wanted to do when I got the passage, uh but I talked to a couple people and I think it just became pretty clear that the best option was to um go scorched earth and um and and just really call out the our lack of thinking um about that in general so specifically like how we talk about corporate confession like when you look at Daniel chapter 9 there's no indication that Daniel was a part of the sin of Israel but Daniel specifically repents when you look at Ezra chapter 9 there's absolutely no indication that Ezra was a part of the sin uh and yet Ezra repents so this idea that one person can repent for others is biblical. Now, we obviously think that there's something about Jesus that fulfills that to a great extent, but that doesn't mean, mean that the the mandate, the call to repentance uh, goes away. And the biblical record seems to indicate that repenting for the group is something that does, that happens and shouldn't happen, even if the group doesn't think it needs it.
2: Yeah, I, Matt, I really appreciated it. Um... And uh, what was kind of entertaining when I was listening to the sermon? Oh my gosh, dog, go! <laughs> she's she's chewing on the on the toy on like on right the baby's there, head. chilling. Yeah, on the yeah, baby's head, it's great. <laughs> using the head as the uh, stand for. You got to hold yes. it still. I know. Yeah, exactly. You need the good the good support. Um, I what was funny as I was listening to it is like it was I, it was like when I was on a Zoom call or something. And I wanted to respond to you like in the, as I was listening to your sermon. (laughs) Yeah. I, what's interesting is I think when I first came to faith, my college boyfriend that was not, that is not my now husband used to read, um, a book called the Hawk and the Dove. And it's a compilation of stories, but it was basically about life in a monastery it was like Redwall, but with real humans and these stories, and, and it and it talked about the the practice of public confession and like when the brothers messed up, they had to publicly confess and all those things. And so, um, this idea of public confession or corporate um, repentance, I think, became um, I don't know. I was introduced to it early on in in becoming a Christian, so it didn't. It doesn't seem as radical to me. Um, that we still need to do that. But um, what, what I find interesting in our church culture is that we simultaneously hold two contradicting beliefs. Uh, w- well, on a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but this one in particular is that we view America as this great nation that God has ordained, or God has, like, blessed and preordained and, like, all these things, and then reject the notion that we, as the church, should, or or we as individual Christians, should repent and confess and call out corporate sin. Yeah. Am I wrong?
3: <laughs> I mean, not nobody just,
2: responded. <laughs> not just
3: call it out, though. Like I think that
2: and 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 do it and confess and repent, like
3: right. And and obviously, there there are huge differences between. America and specifically, like, Israel, I'm not a crazy person who thinks that they should be the same thing or they are the same thing. But I also think that, like, the Old Testament tells us how we should interact with God quite a bit. It's not something that, I mean, it's part of scripture. And if it's part of scripture, then we have to take it and read it and say, oh, this is something that we should maybe think about doing. And in those moments, that's something that we should be like, yeah, there's something to me confessing the sin of racism. Right. For the nation. Amen. And saying, God, we have messed up. We have, we've done the wrong thing. It's, it's important for me to say, Hey, those people storming the Capitol, they are Christian. They believe Jesus and they, they need me to repent for them that what they did was not, was not Christ like, but they are still my people. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it's me saying again, like just to, dovetail off of what i said in the sermon like uh, god we as a nation have committed so many atrocities with the sin of abortion that i'm sorry that we have built a system where people think that's the best option yeah and and saying those things is a part of that corporate confession and saying like i have a part in this that's i think what it really comes down to is it's it eliminates Well, first off, if anyone says they're without sin, they're a liar. And, and I don't think, I think we've talked about sin so much that we've missed what it is. And it's not just the things I do wrong, but there's a power that sin holds over the world and saying like, I am a part of that as a sinful person. I have contributed and I'm a part of racism I've contributed and a part of nationalism and I have contributed and a part of the sin of abortion. And that's me. And not not doing it in a self righteous way, but doing it in a way that says, "How do I make this better?" Which is difficult, but I think it's really important in the in the scheme of you know, it, it's important in the scheme of bringing back real Christianity to America.
1: Yeah, I I find it interesting. Just in like I like I I hear this a lot. Uh, I don't know being more in touch with the youth or whatever but like there's a movement of like oh the younger generation doesn't take responsibility for anything or like they don't want responsibility but like i just see that in older generations with in regards to corporate sin and confession because it's like okay you might not have like whipped you know speaking on racism and institutionalized racism like that like you might not have physically held the whip but like We exist in this plane that we are part of it. And so, like, the, like, oh, young people don't take any responsibility or like care about that. And then just see, like, the, well, I didn't, that's not, I, I don't have a part of that. I won't acknowledge that or whatever. It's just an interesting dichotomy to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we do really poorly in a large portion of the American church, is we don't do confession of any kind. Like, forget confession on the part of other people. We don't confess our own personal sins either, right? We're, we're not making a regular practice of confessing our sins one to another so that we can be healed. We're, we're not doing that. Well,
3: and I think it goes back to – I uh, someone posted this on the internet the other day, and they were talking about the um, Gen Z's – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Non-affinity, the opposite of affinity. Aversion? Yes, thank you, aversion to accountability. And I think it just goes to this – as Christians, we have weaponized truth mm-hmm. instead of embracing it as something that brings healing. So, for example – if you're reading Jesus and John Wayne, um, one person got called out by another person for a sexual sin in the 80s. And then that person found out the other person was committing sexual sin and called him out, too. And it was like a tit for tat, like, ha ha, I got you. You got me like, ha ha, you know, that kind of thing.
2: That just took tit for tat to a whole new level.
3: <laughs> but it, it ceased to be about the good. Truth no longer was about what was good for everyone. Mm hmm. Truth became a weapon. And if truth is a weapon, then there's, I don't want to confess because you're just going to use it as a weapon against me. Yep.
1: Well, and we just pray to like the God of like pride or, um, the God of power and like, we don't want to be accountable because if there's actually something we do wrong that we need to be held accountable for, we lose whatever standing we think we have. And the comfort of the lowercase g God of power that we cling to is taken away from us. And we realize what we've been doing wrong all along. And that's, you know, scary. And we don't like that.
3: Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I felt like it was a really hard for preachers out there who know there's some sermons where you're like, "Ah, this is just a hard one to preach. Like this is going to be difficult. This is going to be the no fun sermon. Because nothing I say here is something we want to do. Um, but there does seem to be a, a calling to it. And because of that, I feel like I need to preach this one. And especially in this time of Lent where we're supposed to be thinking about all of these things. Like we're supposed to be introspective. We're supposed to be thinking about how God interacts with humanity. We're supposed to be, you know, drawing closer to him and, and doing things that are more biblical in our practices. And in this case, I think this is just one of those where it was really hard. It's going to be hard to listen to, but I think it was really important, and um, I, I, I honestly believe it was very biblical. Um, I didn't. I don't think I said anything that was opinion. I mean, maybe I did. Of course, I did. But I felt like even if it was an opinion, it was based on something that you could find in the text.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I think I think your sermon was good, but I think that. The only way that we will be able to truly confess our sins corporately and individually is if we make that our consistent practice. You know, I don't know about your churches, but at the church where I'm at now, there's not been a public confession time, not really, besides the Sunday that I was in charge, I've been here since May.
3: So how how does that look? How does a public confession time look in a church service dominated by a stage?
0: Really weird because it requires people to um, not, not be dominated by the stage, right? So in the Anglican tradition, which I'm not Anglican. I'm AG. I'm not Dan. Um, Yet. I will never be Dan. I will always be Caleb, Matt.
3: That's
1: true.
0: But in, in the Book of Common Prayer and in their liturgy, there is confession every service. Every time we get together and we say the prayer of confession, like, that's that's a thing that you do every time before you're going to take the Mass, you confess. You confess for the things that you've done and the things that you've not done, and you admit that it's your fault and you ask for grace. And that's a thing that we don't do very well because what it requires is audience participation. So Matt, your question, how do you do that in in a place that's dominated by the stage? You have to move the the thing, the focus from the stage and put it on the human hearts of the congregation that's in the room. What we used to do
1: um in the ministry that I, you know, secret ministry that I work for, is we would encourage um our congregants, our students, to like just turn and face each other during like a worship time where, you know, the the pad would play, and the lights would be down low or whatever. Have them turn and face each other and just try like confess um to each other. Because we thought that was a a safer way to confess, right? If you do it with one person that you kind of know a little bit and like eventually the hope was to move into like our Bible studies would become like that public confession place and then like moving up the kind of like the level or whatever, because yeah, the, the big stage is really scary, but even just confessing to one person is better than not confessing at all.
3: I don't want to make it weird though. So how do I do it without making it weird like that?
1: I think it just is weird, and we
3: need to
0: accept that it's weird. Everybody does it all together, all at the same time, and we we say the same prayer.
3: I just don't want to look at your face when I'm doing it. We eat bread that we say is a person's body. Well, that's debatable, but I also don't want to like look at your face and your eyes, sitting right next across from you with a pad going, and tell you all of the bad things that I've done.
0: Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> like, well, if I was a person, therapy. If I was a person at Mike's ministry. ministry, I'd be a person like, I ain't doing this. I'm just going to sit here. I am not telling this person that I'm with. Like, I'm not telling you all of my sins. That's not to say that I won't tell somebody my sins, but like... Just not that guy.
3: <sighs> it's funny because it's true.
2: I do think, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for like starting with Confessing to one person. I mean, like, granted, I come out of the same ministry that Matt or that, gosh, you guys' names just kill me. That, um, Michael.
1: Mike.
2: That Michael did.
1: Ew. Ew. Me- Mikael.
2: So I think that there's something, I mean, that's a, it's a good start. Um, what's interesting is, uh, Mike, uh, this might have been more before, we might have, we might have stopped it before your time, but we did have, like, during our winter retreats, it seemed like it always turned into, like a big public confession time during winter camp um, on worship on Saturday nights. And, um, and it was public and it was people going up to the mic and like, um, and sharing really publicly. And, but when it, when it's only modeled as like a one-time thing at retreats, I don't think that's helpful, but the start of the, but with starting like we, they do with like the one-on-one is is a place to be um or is a place to start um because i mean to be fair if we we look at the examples of of like ezra and daniel and those other things i don't know i haven't read the context of the passage recently so i don't know were they were they actually in public repenting
3: no so and this is where this is where you have to like make sure that you're uh talking about the two they're different things but similar. So Ezra's was completely public, it looks like. He was standing on the temple or where the temple was, ripped its clothes, all that. Daniel's wasn't. Daniel was in private, but his uh repentance was corporate. So it had nothing there's no indication in the text that Daniel was part of the problem and yet he gladly repented for the sin.
2: Right. So so we're so maybe we're nuancing it and needing to talk about two different things. The public confession and than the separate issue of corporate sin, I would even say
3: corporate com- corporate confession because it's not just corporate sin.
2: I know where you are, but I'm saying that in general, our churches or the people sitting in our in our seats don't believe that corporate sin is a thing anymore.
3: Well, yeah, because I'm I'm good
2: person. If we're talking about like how do we do this within our churches, like or our thing is, like we have to start recognizing that corporate sin is actually a thing.
0: <laughs> I, I think that the one of the ways that we do that is to shift our language rather than individual language we use corporate language right so when we when we say our confessions we use corporate language rather than individual language because it's really hard when we say We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have not done those things which we have ought to have done. When we say that together, that's a we. Yeah. That's both me and Matt. And it also inculcates
3: to a great extent.
0: That's a good word. You're welcome. It really
3: exemplifies Galatians 6, right? So, Mike, you talked about like sitting and confessing the sin to someone across from you. But maybe that's not what we're supposed to do. Maybe we're all supposed to get up and repent for the sin so that no one feels left out. Because that's really awkward. The, anybody who's done that and is sat in a place, especially in in the guilt culture that we live in, much less in an honor-shame culture, right? Can you imagine doing that in honor-shame culture? My goodness.
0: Like the American South?
3: Yeah. It'd be crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't. And so... In in those instances it's not so much that you're you're there to confess your sin. It's there you're there to carry one another's burdens. Like I am there to confess the sin that you have so that I can carry the burden that you carry. And now by by me saying that and all of us saying it together, you can say I confess that sin. Yeah. But it's no longer just to you. It's the person to your left, it's the person to your right. It's all of us together confessing the sin so that in that moment we're that person who needs to really confess that has the body of Christ behind him in that confession. And I think that's super powerful.
2: And I think it, it's it's a powerful way to combat the individualistic nature of our of our churches.
1: I've thought about coming from a liturgical church. Uh like just the liturgy of the everyone saying the same things together and just that camaraderie it kind of builds. Of course, there are other issues with the church I came from, but like combining our free flow and spirit filled services with like, we carry this together, we as a church affirm this together, we confess together, you know, whatever. Um, like, uh, like, obviously, we can't just, like, this, I don't think, anyway, like, this Sunday, you could just be like, all right, everyone, we're gonna like, confess our sins, you know, all, all at once, shout out your sin or whatever, because I feel like that could also lead to problematic things. But, like, just, like, the little incremental steps, there's so many little steps we can do to, like, move into that direction. I don't, I
3: don't hate the shout out your sin thing, though, let's be honest.
2: Yeah, me neither.
3: I don't hate it either.
2: Except my... Except the problem is that, like, only one person would do it. <laughs> so it's like, everyone on the count of three,
3: shout out your sins. One, two, three, lust!
0: Silence. But the one guy that would do it would admit to having an affair, and nobody else would have said anything, and his wife is going to be right there.
3: Oh. That's, that's awkward, honey. I don't know who said that. Oh. <laughs>
1: like the hate i feel for my children
0: <laughs> <sighs> Oh my gosh that would be I feel that So i don't think that that is a good solution
3: I don't know guys i think we might I
1: think we might have nailed it here
0: but i i think that it's important that we do. That will get turned into a whole nother issue. If
1: you don't confess, you're going to embarrass your brother in Christ.
2: Oh, more shame.
0: Woo-hoo. I think that one of the reasons that we don't do it, though, is because we are so unpracticed with it. Like, we're we out of practice of confession in general. And because we've made confession and repentance an individual thing, we, we can't even relate to the idea of a corporate sin or a corporate injustice. Because we have forgotten that we are the body of Christ. And the sin of one person is the sin of the whole camp. Yeah. Like, these these aren't small things in scripture, like corporate language, corporate doing. Like, when Achan messed up, it was not just him that was going to be punished, but the whole people, except the whole people repented, and so only him. But if the whole people don't repent, it's the whole people that are going to get swallowed up by the earth and not just his family.
3: Yeah, I want to read that verse uh, in Joshua chapter 7. So Joshua uh, tears his clothes. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? And then the Lord, in verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down in your face? Verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. And yet they eventually get down to the individual, right? But they, it's not Achan. It doesn't say Achan has sinned. It says Israel has sinned, and we should get better at that. Um, and it would it would remove a lot of shame from sin yep. if we acted like it was our sin. It wasn't just an individual sin. Like, ooh, here we go. Get real personal. Ravi Zacharias' sin is just as much my sin as it is Robbie's. Yeah. And, and that's not comfortable to hear. No? But if he is a member of the body of Christ, then that's how we have to uh, – have have to take it and this is going to make a lot of people angry just the idea of corporate sin because they're they want to get to a place where they haven't had the issue but i just don't think that's what the bible is is telling us and i know i keep going back to this bible book but
1: i mean even just personally when you said that i was like you know my sin is not rabbi's sin not at all and that was like my gut reaction was like hell no, but like that's because I you don't want to be associated with the guilty people or whatever. No, in our culture—it's that shame on our culture punished. just and the guilty people not are just wearing its head people. but
3: like showing you it's there.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah, I, you said it. And I was like, oh no, not at all. And then I was like, oh sh- shoot, that's
0: the issue. <laughs> right. the 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 issue here is that his sin is our sin.
3: I'll be careful saying that because people will throw you so far so fast. And Caleb's aware of this because I watched it happen to him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you say that out loud, people get r- real upset at you.
0: You know, I posted a tweet that Matt shared with me in a group that if you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, Matt sent me the link that I or the image. How dare you? but they, they'll figure it out.
3: Here comes the bus, little darling.
0: I, I think that what the what the tweet says was men really looked at Robbie, got on this app and said stuff like, this could be me with their whole chest. And this went on to say, you know, like call your pastor, call your therapist, the police too, probably, if that's you. And I think that that statement, this could be me has two fundamental errors in it. It's not, this could be me. It's, this is us. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The sin of Ravi is the sin of the church. And we need to not be so bold as to say, well, this could be me. Well, no, we identify with that sin. This sin is ours.
3: And and think about how that changes the conversation. It changes the conversation from uh look what he did to like i i understand the idea of there but therefore but the grace of god go i or all those like i get it um i i don't i but i also understand what uh leah is saying i believe that's our actual name um i mean i i get what she's saying as well like i i don't think that it's it's an either or like yeah like we need to if you really think that this is something that if you think that Ravi level stuff could happen to you, you don't need to be in ministry. Uh-huh. Just want to throw that out there. If, if you think that it's an actual possibility, then you need to probably leave. And, and I don't mean that in like a negative way. Like you can still be a Christian. You can still be in ministry things, but like to get paid to do ministry. Yeah. Like that, it just maybe, maybe you need to take some time and, and. I think people read it as her being accusative. I read it as her saying like, hey, take care of yourself. If you really think this is it, take care of yourself.
0: I mean, when she said the police too, that's that's accusative.
3: That might have been the line. Yeah. But But the church needs to understand that she is just as guilty of this as everyone else. The church created places where this could happen. Uh, And as we read uh, Jesus and John Wayne again, where Jim Baker told.
1: Hashtag not sponsored.
3: (laughs) Yet. Um, (laughs) Jim Baker told his person uh, that he was his reward as the shepherd, which is definitely crazy and messed up and definitely abusive, you know, thought processes. But. It's not like Ravi, the things that Ravi did has been seen before and it will be seen again. And the church has to recognize that like, we have to say, Hey, you know what? We're messed up and we're all trying to be better and we need to do better. Just pointing fingers at Ravi and saying, look what he did is not the answer either.
0: Right. Right. So, so just like we say, this is us because this is us also saying that this could be me that I could go down a rabbit trail is problematic too, right? Because to, to say that, like we're then saying that we're also not a new creation. We're ignoring what first John five says, right? Because yes, we were born in sin, but also we're a new creation and we do not have to keep on sinning. Like, we need to hold the balance here where we say both this is us, but also I will not put myself at a place where mentally, emotionally, that this would happen to me. We need to say both this is our sin and I will not do this.
2: I do think that um and the you know, some of the conversation that happened in regards to to that particular post, I think that like what was said by some people, um, a lot of people who have said it's just their knee jerk reaction Therefore, but for the grace of God, go I, is like their knee jerk reaction without actually having read the report um, or really fully understood what they were saying. There, but they're both, you know,
3: therefore, but the grace of God, I will have massage parlors around the world and sexually abuse the people that work there. Like, if that's what you're saying,
2: we got a bigger problem. That's that's a big jump. It's yeah, there's a there's a big difference between someone saying, I recognize the possibility that if the circumstances lined up in my life, I could be tempted to cheat on my wife or husband, like there's or that or, or you could end up having like an emotional affair, like there's 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 enough self-awareness in certain situations that um, we need to have that self-awareness. And so then we need to not. Like shame people's men and women's uh, weaknesses or, or being aware of their weakness in that way, but again, that's a big jump from I recognize that given the perfect circumstances, if I don't take care of myself and take care of my marriage X Y and Z, I could have an affair is a is a huge leap from that to I'm systematically grooming women to assault and call them my reward. Like that's, that is a, that, that's a huge, there's a progression there that Ravi maybe started with a, an emotional affair or whatever. And it, and it just snowballed and went from there. But, uh, but there wasn't, there isn't the nuance in that tweet, um, for that conversation.
1: I find it interesting that it could be me is the phrase to like sexual affairs, but mm-hmm. like never, we never think that we can like murder someone, right?
3: Oh, I don't know about that.
1: Oh, I, I would, I'll probably murder someone before I have an affair. I'm just going to throw that out there. But like, rank the sins. <laughs> every sexual fall is like, it could be me, but like, as soon as. You know, it's something not in that's like, well, they did the bad thing. And it, it and this one is the perfect combination.
0: It could be me that has an affair, but it, it's never going to be me that's racist.
2: Yeah. Or it's never going to be me that forgets my kid in the car.
0: Yeah.
1: Or it's never going to be me who like, you know, drunk drives or and kills someone. But like, it could be me. I could cheat on my wife or I could you know sexually abuse women like that's I'm just like what it really frustrates me actually full honesty I've not read deeper into the allegations because I read enough of that shit in college in my law degree and I, if I ever have to read another one I no I don't like it
3: I mean the, the short is he systematically he listen l- listen listen once again I want to say this very clearly if you are a pastor that owns massage parlors, please sell them.
1: That is sketch AF.
3: Please sell them. If if we're going to hold to the Billy Graham rule, you shouldn't own massage parlors. Like, that just seems... <sighs> I just don't understand it. That I don't understand that level of disconnect between... Like if you're actually worried about appearances, that's probably the one that you should be like, yeah, maybe not. It's like, are you gonna own a liquor store? Look, I mean I I do not mind drinking. But as a pastor, I don't think that I should own a bar or liquor store. Like that's that there's there's something there that maybe, and I'm not saying all massage parlors, but enough of them, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, and I think it's just so weird that I like I got quite a bit of flack from a couple of, of my uh, male friends for going to a massage, uh, like a chiropractor massage treatment or whatever after one of my car accidents. And they were like, wait, it's a woman who gives you a massage? And I'm like, well, it's not like she's giving me a happy ending. Like, if you go to the right one, there's quite a lot of things like in place to prevent that because, you know, it does toe that line. But even like. The notion of a like medical chiropractor and massage joint together still was like, oh, massage parlors are kind of like weird. The, the bro owned some. Like, ah, oh, it, it hurts.
3: It's just not, it's just not, it was not a good look. It was a poor decision. And it turned out to not just be a bad look, but also it turned out to be a poor choice in general. And I think that's what. I mean, I feel for the the ministry. I feel for his victims. Uh, I feel for him because I can't imagine being that that level of broken
2: and hiding and living with that. Like,
3: yeah, I I I want. I don't even know. There's no words. You know, words fail. But yeah, it's rough. So
0: I think that there are words, though.
3: You can have them, but I don't.
0: I think that. The words are prayer of confession, and we need to confess our sins, both corporately and individually. And so, insert somebody pulling up the Book of Common Prayer and saying the prayer of confession and or finding it online. The Book of Common Prayer of the Anglican Church in North America, 2019 Page 129 The Confession and Absolution of Sin The deacon or other person appointed says the following. Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. For the sake of your son Jesus Christ have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name amen then the bishop or priest stands and says Almighty God our Heavenly Father who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, it is now time for our... Eric Metaxas tweet. Here's the thing this is going to be great because I 97% agree with Eric Metaxas here. Whoa. It's, it's great.
2: Do I get to read this one?
0: Yeah,
3: you're up. Because I haven't gotten to read one yet. You say gotten to like it's a privilege,
2: it is not a privilege. <laughs>
3: I guess it's my turn now.
2: I thought it was just because I was a woman that you guys didn't want me to read it.
3: No, we, we were trying to protect you.
2: Oh, I don't need your protection. I don't, I don't need your misogynistic protection, Matt.
3: My protection is not misogynistic.
2: <laughs> Folks, you're not crazy. They are crazy. Who, who is they? You know who I mean. But we need to remind ourselves of this, or we will go crazy. Stand firm on what you have always known.
0: What, what have we always known?
2: The truth cannot change.
3: Really? That's real. He's right.
2: God is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
3: I agree, Eric.
2: So keep trusting what he says. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Who
3: said peace out there?
0: He, he did. But <laughs> can I just say He did. The peace out is in the tweet. He threw up the deuces and he walked out. I just wish he would have made it a hashtag. Right? Like he should have done hashtag peace out. Like that would have made it better. Peace out, yo.
2: Um, can I just say that the the phrasing of um the last Part of that tweet before the peace out made me feel like um, when, in the Hunger Games movies, when Katniss is having to do her, um, like Panem today, Panem tomorrow, Panem forever. Like that's that's what, I I almost went into that quote while I was reading it just to make it better. The number
3: one response to this on my thing, I don't know, what y'all's first reply?
0: Oh, I didn't, I didn't look, I don't look at the replies. I can't handle that usually.
2: What happened to truth for these folks, the In God We Trust? Disinformation fuels a white evangelical movement. My
3: number one is Aaron Spatz, who said, I don't know who that is, who said, word.
1: I, I have, uh, this is an important message. And also for parents who know this world is trying to lure their children. There are some heavy foes out there gaslighting on steroids. But God's word stands forever and ever. Jesus Christ reigns
0: forever and ever.
2: Did you see Caleb's face? Was that scary?
0: So Matt, I I chose this one because I thought you would go the le- least crazy about it. Because he's he's just speaking truth here. There, there. The thing is, he doesn't. This this is the most
3: tweetiest tweet of all the tweets. Um in which Eric doesn't say a damn thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He didn't say anything here. You are not crazy. The white evangelical movement are crazy.
0: He did, he did say some things though. He did say that if we don't remind ourselves that other people are crazy, we will go crazy. That's the thing. This is the worst subtweet I've ever seen.
3: Right, and that's the thing, I don't know what he's tweeting about. So it's super sub without me knowing what the sub is. It's not a sub tweet. No, it's a sub tweet. He's talking about something. There, there is something that spawned they. No,
2: I think it's about the Rand Paul trans thing.
3: They is just
2: they. Oh, this is from. Never mind. This is from four days ago. Never mind.
3: No, no, I do not buy it, Caleb. He, there is something he's tweeting about here. Something pissed him off. Yep. And so he's saying they're crazy. You're not crazy there. He's, you know what? This is like, Eric Metaxas thinks that Twitter is therapy. And so he's, he's like, imagine, imagine Caleb, if you will, I'll I'll be Eric Metaxas, You be the therapist. Okay. Here we go. I'm not crazy. They're crazy. Right? Like, that's what he's doing here. He's reassuring
0: himself. Hold on, Matt. No, no, let's, let's do the whole bit here. Let's do the whole bit.
3: Okay. Hold on. I got to get the tweet. I got to get the tweet. Here we go. I'm not crazy. They're crazy, right?
0: Who who are they? <laughs> you know who I mean. Okay. Um. Do, do you ever think that you might be crazy?
3: No, no. Because I remind ourselves, I remind ourselves. You know, there's a problem there too. That they are crazy, so I don't go crazy.
0: Oh, okay.
3: I, I try to stand firm on what I've always known.
0: Are are you sure that, like, what you're standing on is, like, stable?
3: Yes, because truth can't change.
0: How? Okay. Truth truth can't change. But how do you know that what you're following is truth?
3: Well, because I follow God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, I keep trusting what he says. And he says that they're crazy. And because he says they're crazy, it means that I'm not crazy.
0: I I, I think we're done here.
3: Peace out.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, take, take two of these and, uh, call me never.
3: <laughs> I mean, that's what it seems like. It seems like there's a therapy going on here that air is like in somehow.
0: Okay. But I, I think that the, they though, like, it's a thing that we see amongst the evangelical, right? They are the cancel culture mobs. They is the liberals. Conservative culture doesn't cancel. That's right. Only evil liberals cancel. No, that's accurate. That's why they is the cancel culture mobs. It's obviously not the Christians who are fighting for God.
3: We got to fight for our right to cancel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you you know who they is. And they has a purpose. They, they has. <laughs> it's Not going to mean anything. So like... Calm down.
3: No, see, here's where you're wrong. My outrage says I can't.
0: Well, your outrage needs to have a meeting with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit gives us this thing called holy anger, called self-control. And if you cannot calm your outrage down, you need to reevaluate whether or not you've given the Holy Spirit room to work in your life.
2: I don't know.
1: That was pretty outrageous, Caleb. Sadly, I can only afford a studio life uh, because of our current economic climate. So I don't know if the is the Holy Spirit a good roommate.
0: All right, and with that, we should we should move on to our last section.
3: So for our news story today, we we had a, a few options. I'd like to, you know, just. Uh, uh, bring to the audience's attention that uh, John Boehner told uh, Ted Cruz to go F himself in a audio recording. So that's fun. Uh, we also consider talking about a very serious story. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, the journalist that was killed in Turkey. Uh, it looks like the Saudi prince actually did Uh, know about it and do it, and yet our administration didn't do anything about it, and if you don't know which administration that is, you haven't been alive for the past four years. However, all of those things might pale in comparison to the Bible Barely Saved podcast talking about the golden image of Trump, which has been (laughs) rolled into CPAC, because there ain't nothing quite like a golden calf slash uh, golden image getting thrown into the fire uh, Hebrew children's story for us to talk about. So... Would someone like to set the stage for the golden Trump and talk about that for a second?
0: (laughs) Okay, so, you know, it's, it's 2021. Trump is no longer president and yet still manages to be putting himself back in headlines. Less frequently, but he's there. And so, as we all know, CPAC, or maybe we don't all know, CPAC is the Conservative Political Action Conference, and it started this week. In Orlando, you know, CPAC is this big thing where all of the Republicans get together and they plan their their which things they're gonna care about, which things they're gonna value. This is a sort of a a stage for young conservatives to be put on stage to, you know, this is the people who are gonna run for Senate, who we're all gonna get behind, right? If we followed conservative politics from way back we remember the tea party oh
2: that being was a thing
0: a big big presence at cpac right yep is it the patriot party now no it's still the tea party but maybe not for long and so all of those things that's cpac that's who started that and and cpac is now <laughs> started off with someone wheeling in a golden statue of former president Donald J. Trump. I mean, this thing is a
3: good six feet tall, maybe seven.
0: Oh, I'm looking at these dudes here. It's at least seven feet tall. Because that, that 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 bald dude's what? Six feet?
3: I mean, he might be five, five, four, five. Let's say he's five eight. Then that statue might be six eight. But he's also. The statue's on a, a four inch platform, too.
0: It is, but that statue's got to be seven feet tall. Like,
1: if not seven feet, it's close. And it is one of the ugliest statues I have ever seen. Oh, we should talk about what he's wearing. He's wearing, uh, like,
3: the boxer shorts uh, from Rocky with uh, the American flag on one leg and the stripes on the other. So that's what's on the bottom. And then, is he wearing flip flops? Yes. Okay, it looks like he, I think he's wearing flip-flops. And he's also wearing a suit and, of course, a red tie. So...
1: Red flip-flops,
3: too.
0: I just love the desecration of the American flag being a pair of swim trunks.
2: Yeah, why do people not care about that? I don't understand.
3: Because
0: they only care about
3: the flag for certain things.
1: I mean, it's, it's freedom lingerie. You'll never fr- feel freer than with a uh, American flag wrapped around your dong.
2: Keep America great. Right.
3: Let's let's read some uh, some tweets that uh, we're talking about this. We've got if only there were some sacred text, one most people at CPAC claimed allegiance to, that very explicitly warns against making golden idols. Uh, Republicans wheel in the golden calf as they prepare to wander the electoral desert for forty years. <laughs> Uh, worshipping the golden calf was really bad, prophets say. Worshipping the golden jackass seems even worse. Wow. Instead of worshipping a golden calf, the GOP worship a golden crook.
2: I just Okay, who made it? Is there any like intel on that?
3: I mean, I don't even know if it's like actually a part of it. It was just there. And the fact that it was there was enough. And like everyone's talking about the golden calf, but man, that that Daniel three passage seems a little more apropos here. Start throwing people into fires.
0: Yeah, I think that Daniel three here is great as as a reminder. And for those of our podcast listeners who don't have immediate recall of Daniel 3. Do you want to give a summation of what that dream is?
3: Not even a dream. No, Daniel 3 is the actual account of Nebuchadnezzar making a golden image. Oh, right. Telling everyone to worship it, and then burning the people who didn't. Now, turns out they didn't burn, and there was a fourth person in there who looked like a son of the gods, and uh, they were all drawn out. So, uh, they were fine, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as we prefer to refer to them.
1: Rackshack and Benny.
3: Oh no, it's uh, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael.
0: No, it's Rakshak and Benny. Yeah, but you did that in the wrong order.
3: Get out of here.
0: You've got to do it, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the reason that you have to do it in that order is because then it's the same order as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego.
3: Yeah, I, I forget the order. I, I honestly like kind of spazz on... Uh, Azariah's name, so.
0: That's why you have to do it as Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah because otherwise, you will not remember which is which. Uh, Phil
1: Vischer said it's Rackshack and Benny.
2: And that's where I'm staying.
0: VeggieTales introduced them as Rackshack and Barony, but that's, that's separate because that's for preschoolers, Mike, and hopefully your biblical studies <laughs> move beyond- a dramatization for preschoolers. I'm, I'm still there. Full honesty. I thought that
1: VeggieTales made up Rackshack and Benny because th- there was no book called Rackshack and Benny in the Bible. And I was so confused for the longest of time.
2: It took until I was like 25 before I realized that Rackshack and Benny were like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Weren't you a, an intern by then? I didn't grow up in the church and I didn't ever watch the actual episode. I just knew the song.
3: The bunny, the bunny. Oh, I love the bunny.
0: All right. So we need to move back to talking about this statue.
3: Caleb, Caleb, I'm going to be real, real honest with you. We've been talking for a long time. I don't actually think we need to say anything else about this. I think that we have said just enough.
1: If there's anyone out there and take this with the love I give, who is. Which is not much. Protecting this story of creating a golden figure of a politician and says you're a Christian, you need to read the Bible, you need to rethink your life, and you re- need to rethink your allegiances.
0: Okay, no, because this is not all of CPAC, okay? This is, it's found in a booth for a conservative nonprofit. Called Look Ahead America.
2: Okay, now I gotta go look at that.
0: And it was created by a California-based artist, Tom Zegan, who made it in response to multiple pieces of art mocking Trump. He said, quote, two years ago, when I saw all those statues of naked Trump and Trump on a toilet, I said, you know what? I can do better. End quote. Ziegen told CNN Friday as attendees gathered around the statue to snap photos with it. Wait, so he did it as a joke?
3: No, he did it as a response to the mocking.
0: He, he said, it is museum quality, and that's the one I'm eventually hoping to get in the Trump library, Zegan said. It is literally priceless. And then he explains, he explains the symbolism, he explains the symbolism. So I've got to read. It's, okay,
3: pa- pause. It is a response to the people making fun of Trump. This is a veneration of Trump.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is not this is not satire. So, this is not the joke. Caleb undersold this.
3: This is him saying this is veneration.
0: I was I was going to do that at the end, but yes. So, he he explains the symbolism, okay? Quote, the coat and tie is the fact that he's a professional. He's a businessman. <sighs> the red tie symbolizes he's a Republican. Ah! The red, white, and blue is that he's a patriot. Ah! The fact that he's wearing thongs and shorts is that he's at the age where he should be retired. He should be at the beach right now. Ah! When asked if he would like for Trump to ease into retirement or run for president again in 2024, Zegan was emphatic. I would be, yes, ecstatic. If he was to happen, it will happen.
2: No. It is not a joke. Okay. The original link that showed us the picture of this golden calf said, the conservative conference this weekend will mark Trump's first post-presidential public appearance when the former POTUS delivers the keynote speech on Sunday. So we're going to have good fodder for next week's podcast, guys. He is expected to tell the audience that he is, quote, still in charge of the Republican Party and will be its presumptive 2024 nominee for president. How much of the GOP is still on board with Trump has been a topic of much debate. Uh, Representative Liz Cheney said that I don't believe he should be playing a role in the future of the party following the insurrection. Uh, But Representative Joe Walsh countered in an essay published Thursday that there is no Republican civil war. What's more, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also said on Thursday that he would absolutely support Trump if he became the GOP presidential nominee in 2024, despite stating on the Senate floor just weeks ago that Trump is practically and morally responsible for the provoking the events of January 6th. Mitch McConnell needs to go away.
3: The thing is, as we've said multiple times, Mitch McConnell will not lie to you. If if he's saying if Trump is the nominee, I will support him. Now, what you're not hearing in what McConnell is saying is that McConnell will do everything in his power, and he has a lot of it, to make sure that that doesn't happen.
0: Right. But if it happens, like he did like he did 5 years ago, he'll campaign against Trump in the thing. But as soon as he's the nominee, he will support him. And that's it's McConnell. He is he is the best politician I think in in Washington like he's he is politically genius morally corrupt but politically genius but I just I can't like I was hoping that it was satire I was hoping somewhere that I would find that it was satire but it's not at all satire no
3: no 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 no
0: And this is why it's so hard to write satire, is I I was trying to write satire, but I can't be more extreme than the truth.
2: That is kind of the problem.
0: Like, if I was going to say that people were worshipping Trump like like a golden calf, I can't make a joke about that. That's happening. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we
3: leave you, I would like to say first that we're all sorry. I repent for all of my uh, fellow podcast hosts. Um... That's pretty much all I can say.
1: Don't repent for me. This is America. Thank you for listening
3: to the Barely Save Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes at BarelySavedPodcast.com.
0: Go away. <laughs> I don't have anything witty to say. Bye. Mike, are you going to sign off? Are you going to say something clever?
1: Repent, you sandalless heathens.